Do the following five points sound familiar? First, we use a lot of energy, but we'll electrify everything and power them with wind and solar. Two, yes, we need to build a lot, but prices are cheaper than ever for renewable power and batteries. Those prices fell faster than anyone expected and will keep falling. More solar energy hits the earth daily than we need in a year. Three, yeah, there are some problems like that the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow, and we haven't electrified some things like heavy loaded trucks, airplanes, and container ships, but they're just engineering issues that we'll resolve. Four, nobody at the time of the Wright brothers could have predicted the 747. People a decade ago didn't predict prices and capacity for renewables and batteries falling so fast, the prices and capacity growing so big. Who knows what will come next? Five, a world where we live like today, just without the carbon emissions, is around the corner. All we have to do is wait, maybe fund some research, and it will happen. Those ideas sound so enticing and compelling. Why was everyone so gloomy? What actually are the limits and why? The prices are lower, but why not lower still? Is there a lower limit, or do you believe that these prices will drop to zero? Why aren't we building more solar and wind farms? Why aren't we damming more rivers? Why haven't we electrified planes, boats, and for that matter, more cars? If electric cars are better, why do some people still buy internal combustion engine ones? Something is setting those limits. What? Do batteries and electric vehicles, having more of them, does that only require that we build more factories, in which case it's only a matter of time, or are there limits that we can't overcome? Maybe some we can overcome, and maybe some we can't. If so, it matters which. Also, I've written in my blog that humans have historically responded to new sources of power by using the old ones and the new one. Our environmental problems aren't too little power, but too much pollution. Just supplying new power doesn't mean we stop using fossil fuels. Headlines keep touting record usage of renewables, but the meaningful measure is how much we're reducing pollution. That's what's killing us, literally killing us. We can easily, if we don't focus on it, keep building renewables and never stop burning coal and oil, even if we can substitute. Why aren't we closing coal plants faster? Why are we still building more, we as a species? Why do we keep using jet fuels for jets? It's tempting to believe that somewhere near the source of power supplies, there are few people or companies that are gearing up to supply what we need. Maybe they're going as fast as they can, just waiting for supplies or a few key technological developments. You probably realize it's not as simple as that. There aren't just a few people deciding these things of when we start doing more solar. There are markets and market forces driving development, and things get implemented as they can. When market forces drive some development, they do, but not all things respond to market development. For example, people knew about problems with pollution and the greenhouse effect for generations but didn't act. Why now? Are there things that market forces can't resolve or won't address? You probably know about the tragedy of the commons, Jevons paradoxes, and rebound effects, which are systems effects where markets produce the opposite goals people expect or desire. How significant are they? Briefly, the tragedy of the commons occurs when private citizens benefit from using a resource that can be depleted, but the public loses. For example, overfishing the oceans, depleting aquifers, and polluting the atmosphere. Jevons' paradox is that when you make a technology more efficient, you decrease the pollution in each use, but by making it cheaper, more people use that technology more and for more things, so you may end up increasing the total pollution. Rebound effects are broadly when our attempts to decrease pollution end up creating more, which might include replacing some business travel with veto conferences, but then traveling for other reasons anyway, or traveling more for vacation with the time and money saved, resulting in more flights. So these effects happen all the time. There are other effects too. Prices are supposed to cause markets to allocate resources, but in some cases they don't. Fish, for example, that become scarce sometimes see higher prices, promoting fishing more scarce fish. Fishing technology, big nets and sonar and satellites, make fishing deeper and more aggressively cheaper, 
So the market sees more fish, even though the ocean has fewer, to the point where fish find each other slower and reproduce slower, and as we're seeing today, not able to reproduce as fast as we're catching them. What if these effects mean our solutions create problems in the future greater than our problems today? If we don't change our systems, these systems effects may overwhelm us. They're easy to ignore, but what if they dominate our situation? What if our air becomes unbreathable? About 10 million people a year die from breathing, just breathing air. They can't get away from this. It's not a bad habit. This is something they can't help because of where they live, the pollution there. This number, 10 million, is greater than the 6 million Jews killed in the Holocaust and near estimates of how many people died in the Atlantic slave trade, but those happened over years and centuries. Pollution is killing that many people per year, a number which is increasing, and we can't stop that polluted air from dispersing all over the globe. And this is just one effect. People are dying from lots of other sources of pollution too. If we keep increasing that pollution, might all of Earth's air kill people globally? And dying isn't the only thing that happens from pollution. What would life be like if the whole globe is like Beijing or New Delhi all the time? Pollution just doesn't come from carbon dioxide. So if we lower greenhouse emissions alone, that doesn't mean that we stop pollution. We can keep on polluting a lot more with the other sorts of pollution. What other processes are we doing that pollute besides emitting greenhouse gases? What if renewables that lower greenhouse emissions don't reduce other pollution? What if nuclear infusion produce other pollution? And I don't just mean radioactive waste. They can produce other sorts of chemicals. They also produce excess heat, which in large enough quantity could be a serious problem. But I'll leave that for another time. You know about the concept of embedded carbon. That is, how much carbon was emitted in making something. We generally think that if we use the thing enough, the one-time manufacturing hit averages down to negligible. But what if it doesn't? Cars don't last forever. Even if electric vehicles last longer than internal combustion engine ones, what if the embedded carbon and the other pollution in the manufacturing doesn't become negligible over its lifetime, yet billions of people keep buying them year after year? Then we keep polluting more and more, even though each car pollutes less than an internal combustion engine one, an electric car that is, we can still keep lowering Earth's ability to sustain life. You might say, but we can bring down the embedded carbon by decarbonizing the manufacturing process. Can we? Are there limits to what we can decarbonize? While no one at the Wright Brothers' time could have imagined or predicted the 747, we can imagine a lot more that we can't reach. We reached the Concorde flying supersonic across the ocean and other supersonic flight, but pulled back from it. It didn't work. I mean, technologically it could work, but it wasn't worth it. Why would that be? Just because we made advances in one field, does that mean that we'll produce the advances we want in another? We thought antibiotics and vaccines would stop pandemics, yet the current one has us more worried about a future one, not less. The current one, COVID-19, may metastasize with another variant. The Delta variant may continue to grow. As for antibiotics, who knows if they will keep working? They might stop. I'm prompted to ask these questions all at once for two main reasons. The first is that our media, business leaders, and politicians keep focusing on the march of progress on solutions. Partly, I love hearing about more renewables and how people replace business trips with video, but we don't focus on shutting down polluting plants and we don't pay attention to systems effects. If you make a polluting system more efficient, you pollute more efficiently. That describes our world today. That is, we use less effort to produce more pollution than ever. I can swipe my finger on a cell phone screen and cause a two-ton vehicle to travel miles to bring food in containers that will poison wildlife for centuries, maybe millennia. That cell phone is billions of times more efficient than ENIAC, the first computer that dimmed the lights of Philadelphia when they turned it on, or for that matter, the computers that put people on the moon. But these cell phones also drive server farms that do a lot of the computing power that's been offloaded from the cell phones. And these server farms pollute more than most nations. We pollute more with less effort than ever. 
The second reason I'm asking all these questions at once is that I've come across news that answers a lot of these questions, which I'll talk about in part two after this one. But the news is more like the Concorde than the 747. That is, it looks like when we look at all the engineering details, we aren't at the start of uncharted territories with lots of new things to discover like the Wright brothers, but at the ends of long lines of research reaching limits from the laws of physics. These are things we just can't get past. Nobody wants technology to help us more than I do. But if we try to fight the laws of thermodynamics, we will lose. One of the sources of news was talking to a chief engineer of a company that has won awards for developing battery-powered planes. We recorded a podcast episode. It's in the editing pipeline now, so you'll get to hear it in an, probably about a month. There's a rosy future for electric planes, just not carrying people across oceans. Great for carrying cargo, not for carrying people farther than a couple hundred miles. There's a decent chance that within your lifetime, you will no longer fly across an ocean again. I've also read reports on technological limits, and I'll summarize and link to them in the next episode where I follow up on this. Before I close this episode, I want to pose the questions I've pondered that led me to pursue these answers enthusiastically. The answers matter. If potential solutions don't work, the faster we pursue ones that can, that is switch away from nice ideas, but ones that won't work, some of which are scams, to things that can work, the more likely we can succeed to some degree. We can't bring back the 10 million people who died in the past year from breathing air, nor can we bring back the lost lives from past behavior that we can't change, nor even the lives to be lost still from results locked in from past behavior whose results will still feel for centuries to come. The people dying today are dying from past behavior. We can't change that, but we can change the behavior we do today to avoid killing people from our behavior in the future. We wish that past generations had changed earlier. We can do that for future generations. That's why I'm asking these questions, not to be complicated, but because they matter. People in past generations didn't ask these questions. And for decades, generations even, if they've been asking these questions, they haven't been looking for answers. And we've pursued scam after scam after scam, hydrogen economy, net zero, recycling plastic, all these things that don't work and even exacerbate people polluting more. We've got to understand what we're doing and act effectively. I think these questions are important. What's setting the limits? Can prices go to zero? Can we electrify everything? Can we decarbonize things? As I said, I've come across comprehensive, clear answers. I'll talk about them in the next episode.